0: Chapter 5 of The Insidious Dr. Fu Manchu This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by FNH The Insidious Dr. Fu Manchu By Sax Roma Chapter 5 Shen Yans is a dope shop in one of the boroughs off Old Ratcliffe Highway, said Inspector Weymouth. Singapore Charlie's, they call it. It's a centre for some of the Chinese societies, I believe, but all sorts of opium smokers use it. There have never been any complaints that I know of. I don't understand this. We stood in his room at New Scotland Yard, bending over a sheet of full upon which were arranged some burned fragments from poor Cadbury's grate, for so hurriedly had the girl done her work that combustion had not been complete. What do we make of this? said Smith. Hmm, hunchback. Lascar. Went up. Unlike others, not return. Till Shen Yan. There is no doubt about the name, I think. Turn me out. Booming sound. Lascar Inn. Mortuary. I could. I dent. Not for days or sus. Tuesday night. In a different make. Snatch. Pigtail. The pigtail again! rapped Weymouth. She evidently burned the torn out pages altogether, continued Smith. They lay flat, and this was in the middle. I see the hand of retributive justice in that. Inspector, now we have a reference to a hunchback, and what follows amounts to this. A lascar, amongst several other persons, went up somewhere, presumably upstairs, at Shen Yans, and did not come down again. Cadby, who was there disguised, noted a booming sound. Later he identified the lascar in some mortuary... We have no means of fixing the date of his visit to Shen Yan's, but I feel inclined to put down the Lascar as the dacoit who was murdered by Fu Manchu. It is sheer supposition, however, but that Cadby meant to pay another visit to the place in a different make-up or disguise is evident, and that the Tuesday night proposed was last night is a reasonable deduction. The reference to a pigtail is principally interesting because of what was found on Cadby's body. Inspector Weymouth nodded affirmatively, and Smith glanced at his watch. Exactly ten twenty three, he said. I will trouble you, Inspector, for the freedom of your fancy wardrobe. There is time to spend an hour in the company of Shen Yan's opium friends. Weymouth raised his eyebrows. It might be risky. What about an official visit? Nayland Smith laughed. Worse than useless. By your own showing, the place is open to inspection. No. "'Guile against guile. "'We are dealing with a Chinaman "'with the incarnate essence of Eastern subtlety "'with the most stupendous genius "'that the modern Orient has produced.' "'I don't believe in disguises,' said Weymouth, with a certain truculence. "'It's mostly played out, that game, "'and generally leads to failure. "'Still, if you're determined, sir, "'there's an end of it. "'Foster will make your face up. "'What disguise do you propose to adopt?' "'A sort of Dago Seaman, I think. "'Something like poor Cadby.' I CAN RELY ON MY KNOWLEDGE OF THE BRUTES IF I'M SURE OF MY DISGUISE. YOU ARE FORGETTING ME, SMITH, I SAID. HE TURNED TO ME QUICKLY. Petrie, HE REPLIED, IT IS MY BUSINESS, UNFORTUNATELY, BUT IT IS NO SORT OF HOBBY. YOU MEAN THAT YOU CAN NO LONGER RELY UPON ME? I SAID ANGRILY. SMITH GRASPED MY HAND, AND MET MY RATHER frigid STARE WITH A LOOK OF REAL CONCERN ON HIS GAUNT, BRONZED FACE. MY DEAR OLD CHAP, HE ANSWERED. "'That was really unkind. "'You know that I meant something totally different.' "'It's all right, Smith,' I said, "'immediately ashamed of my collar, "'and wrung his hand heartily. "'I can pretend to smoke opium as well as another. "'I shall be going too, Inspector.' As a result of this little passage of words, some twenty minutes later, two dangerous-looking, seafaring ruffians entered a waiting cab, accompanied by Inspector Weymouth, and were driven off to the wilderness of London's night. In this theatrical business there was, to my mind, something ridiculous, almost childish, and I could have laughed heartily, had it not been that grim tragedy lurked so near to farce. The mere recollection that somewhere at our journey's end Fu Manchu awaited us was sufficient to sober my reflections. Fu Manchu, who with all the powers represented by Nayland Smith pitted against him, pursued his dark schemes triumphantly, and lurked in hiding within this very area which was so seditiously patrolled. Fu Manchu, whom I had never seen, but whose name stood for horrors indefinable. Perhaps I was destined to meet the terrible Chinese doctor. Tonight. I ceased to pursue a train of thought, which promised to lead to morbid depths, and directed my attention to what Smith was saying. We will drop down from Wapping and Reconnoitre. As you say, the place is close to the riverside. Then you can put us ashore somewhere below." "'Ryman can keep the launch close to the back of the premises, and your fellows will be hanging about near the front, near enough to hear the whistle.' "'Yes,' assented Weymouth. "'I've arranged for that. If you are suspected, you shall give the alarm?' "'I don't know,' said Smith thoughtfully. "'Even in that event, I might wait a while.' "'Don't wait too long,' advised the inspector. "'We shouldn't be much wiser if your next appearance was on the end of a grapnel somewhere down Greenwich Reach, with half your fingers missing.' The cab pulled up outside the river police depot, and Smith and I entered without delay. Four shabby-looking fellows who had been seated in the office springing up to salute the inspector, who followed us in. Guthrie and Lizzle,' he said briskly, "'get along and find a dark corner which commands the door of Singapore Charlie's off the old highway. "'You look the dirtiest of the troop, Guthrie. "'You might drop asleep on the pavement, "'and Lizzle can argue with you about getting home. "'Don't move till you hear the whistle inside,' or have my orders, and note everybody that goes in and comes out. You other two belong to this division. The CID men having departed, the remaining pair saluted again. Well, you're on special duty tonight. You've been prompt, but don't stick your chests out so much. Do you know of a back way to Shenyan's? The men looked at one another, and both shook their heads. There's an empty shop nearly opposite, sir, replied one of them. I know a broken window at the back where we could climb in, then we could get through to the front and watch from there. Good, cried the inspector. See you're not spotted, though, and if you hear the whistle, don't mind doing a bit of damage, but be inside Chen Yan's like lightning. Otherwise, wait for orders. Inspector Ryman came in, glancing at the clock. Launch is waiting, he said. Right, replied Smith thoughtfully. I'm half afraid, though, that the recent alarms may have scared our quarry. Your man, Mason, and then Cadby. Against which we have that, so far as he is likely to know, there has been no clue pointing to this opium den. Remember, he thinks Cadby's notes are destroyed. The whole business is an utter mystery to me, confessed Ryman. I'm told that there's some dangerous Chinese devil hiding somewhere in London, and that you expect to find him in Shen Yans? Supposing he uses that place, which is possible— "'How do you know he's there to-night?' "'I don't,' said Smith. "'But it is the first clue we have had pointing to one of his haunts, "'and time means precious lives where Dr Fu Manchu is concerned.' "'Who is he, sir, exactly? "'This Dr Fu Manchu?' "'I have only the vaguest idea, Inspector, "'but he is no ordinary criminal. "'He is the greatest genius which the powers of evil have put on earth for centuries. "'He has the backing of a political group whose wealth is enormous.' "'and his mission in Europe is to pave the way. "'Do you follow me? "'He is the advanced agent of a movement so epoch-making "'that no one Britisher and not one American in fifty thousand has ever dreamed of it.' "'Ryman stared, but made no reply, "'and he went out, passing down to the breakwater and boarding the waiting launch. "'With a crew of three, the party numbered seven that swung out into the pool, "'and, clearing the pier, drew in again and hugged the murky shore.' The night had been clear enough hitherto, but now came scudding rain-banks to curtain the crescent moon, and anon to unveil her again, and show the muddy swirls about us. The view was not extensive from the launch. Sometimes a deepening of the near shadows would tell of a moored barge, or lights high above our heads marked the deck of a large vessel. In the floods of moonlight gaunt shapes towered above. In the ensuing darkness, only the oily glitter of the tide occupied the foreground of the night-piece. The Surrey shore was a broken wall of blackness, patched with lights about which moved hazy suggestions of human activity. The bank we were following offered a prospect even more gloomy, a dense, dark mass amid which sometimes mysterious half-tones told of a dock gate, or sudden highlights leapt flaring to the eye. Then out of the mystery ahead, a green light grew and crept upon us, a giant shape loomed up and frowned crushingly upon the little craft. A blaze of light, the jangle of a bell, and it was past. We were dancing in the wash of one of the Scotch steamers, and the murk had fallen again. Discords of remote activity rose above the more intimate throbbing of our screw, and we seemed a pygmy company floating past the workshops of Brobdingnaggy and Toilers. The chill of the near water communicated itself to me, and I felt the protection of my shabby garments inadequate against it. Far over on the Surrey shore... A blue light, vaporous, mysterious, flicked translucent tongues against the night's curtain. It was a weird, elusive flame, leaping, waving, magically changing from blue to a yellowed violet, rising, falling. Only a gas works, came Smith's voice, and I knew that he too had been watching those elfin fires. But it always reminds me of a Mexican teacalli, and the altar of sacrifice. The simile was apt, but gruesome. I thought of Dr. Fu Manchu and the severed fingers, and could not repress a shudder. "'On your left, past the wooden pier. Not where the lamp is, beyond that, next to the dark square building, Shen Yans.' It was Inspector Ryman speaking. "'Drop us somewhere handy, then,' replied Smith, "'and lie close in with your ears wide open. We may have to run for it, so don't go far away.' From the tone of his voice, I knew that the night mystery of the Thames had claimed at least one other victim. Dead slow, came Ryman's order. We'll put in to the stone stairs. End of chapter five. Recording by FNH in sunny Anchorage, Alaska.